Fridays with Frankie with your host, Frankie Grande. Conversations and kikis with some of your favorite queer icons and allies. This week's guest for Broadway's Back Edition, Tony Award winner, Marissa Jarrett Winokur. Hi Blue, the director of the off-Broadway smash hit, Titanic, and Angelica Ross to talk about her historic casting as the first openly trans woman to lead Broadway's hit musical, Chicago. Now, here's Frankie. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Fridays with Frankie, a four-part series where we'll talk about all things from queer politics and gaming to catching up with some of your favorite Broadway stars and celebs. My first guest needs no introduction. She is a Tony Award-winning actress and singer. You know her from such hit shows as Curb Your Enthusiasm, Girls, ABC's The Goldberg, Dancing with the Stars, and... My favorite, of course, the first winner of Celebrity Big Brother. This fierce queen is also a cancer survivor, a true supporter of the queer community, and my very dear friend. Please welcome Marissa Jarrett Winoker. Hello. <laughs> hello, everyone. Hello, hello, everyone. I'm here. <laughs> Can you do the entire interview as Winifred, please? <laughs> oh, sister. Of course I can. <laughs> I love you so much. Thank you so much for being here on Fridays with Franca. <laughs> Ooh, I like that Fridays with Franca and Mondays with Marissa. Don't miss. I, I don't have that. But Next I I week. No, you yeah. should. You should do a Mondays with Marissa show. I think that oh it would God. be amazing. And Get I'll you be your first bed. guest. Good morning, Mondays with Marissa. Oh, God, I'd be I... so annoying on a Monday morning. <laughs> <laughs> You're never annoying to me. Ever annoying to me. You know, I think um, my favorite thing, I think we should start at the beginning. I think we should start okay. with the fact that you beat Bernadette Peters for a Tony Award. Oh my God, I thought you were going to say Ross Matthews. It went <laughs> no. so the Let, other way. First, okay, let's start, start with, with you beating Peters. Bernadette Peters and then we'll get to you beating Ross Matthews. Okay, perfect. <laughs> I like to take down gay icons wherever I can. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. And in the process, you've become a gay icon yourself. Yeah, well, if you beat a gay icon, you know that you you take on their their crowns and you move forward. You absorb their powers. You absorb their powers. <laughs> yes. I mean, how else would have I beat Ross Matthews had I not had the powers of Bernadette Peters? Exactly. Uh, yeah, I beat Bernadette Peters, which makes no sense at all. And and if you feel free to go watch the Tony performances of that year, it's two thousand and two. Please go do yourself a favor. Watch me sing a key too high because I was so freaking excited to be on the Tonys that I came in on You Can't Stop the Beat higher than it starts normally and off the beat. So you so just so you know, you can stop the beat. Whereas Bernadette Peters sang Why Did I Do It from Gypsy and you know, everything's coming up roses like a freaking queen. And I was like sitting in the audience like, oh, my God, what am I doing here? So, yeah, <laughs> go and watch those two performances and see who you think should win. Trust yeah. me, it's not me. <laughs> and, you know, I mean, it, it, that's amazing. I mean, I think you should win because, um, you know, those Tony voters are there watching the in the Broadway house. And you know what? Correct. Your performance in that show was just so mind blowing. And it was it, was it your debut? It wasn't, but it was iconic, right? It that's was iconic. I feel like I feel like that's the word that describes my performance. Yeah. What was your debut? Um, my debut on Broadway was actually I was in that Tommy Tune Jeff Calhoun Grease collab. Oh. I played Jan, and oh. you know what? I did that show for four years. No way. In my in my like when I turned I turned twenty one doing that show. That was my first job. 
That was oh like my, my first, that was, I got my equity card during Greece. And then I was like staying and people would leave to go do other jobs. I'm like, where are you going? You, this is the <laughs> dream. You are doing the dream. What are you going to go wait tables to get another dream to stay in the dream? You know, I was so confused, you know? Yeah. You know, for anyone that saw Hairspray, it's very obvious why you became so beloved by the gay community, because Tracy is such an example of, you know, like the other, like someone who necessarily it didn't fit in, wasn't part of the cool kids, wasn't part of the cool clique. But because of her unbelievable personality, her perseverance, her tenacity, she became someone who could overcome all of those obstacles and then just make everyone just kind of fall in love with her. And I think that's every like little queer kid's dream, honestly. So was your being embraced by the queer community and and and, and how much that character related to so many people, um, was it a surprise to you at all? So interesting that you even say that is that John Waters actually told me early on that he wrote the Hairspray, he wrote Tracy Turnblatt because he said that if you're gay, like he was basically saying like all the, the minorities and he said, but still the that 16 year old girl is going to get picked on more. Like she's literally, it's the worst. Like in high school, like, yeah, it sucked to be gay, but it really sucked to be the fat teenage girl, you know? So he would always say that like, it definitely, those weren't exactly his words, but like he he was probably definitely more um, better with the words than I am. But he basically was saying that I was, that Tracy Trimble represented the most minority, minority of people. Right. And then of course I was like, did you just call me fat? Like, wait, what? Like, so confused. I was like, wait a second. I didn't even know I was fat. Like that was pretty much my experience in hairspray was that I was doing this role that became this like iconic role model for, for fat minority kids everywhere. And I was like, hold up. I'm not fat. What are you talking about? Like my first interview, they were like, how do you feel about being a plus size role model? And I was like devastated. I was like, wait, am I plus size? You know, so it took a couple of months for me to to take that all in and realize that I have obviously, um, what's that? When you don't understand your own body, um, body dysmorphia, dysmorphia. I had body dysmorphia the wrong way. Like I definitely (laughs) thought I was smaller than I was. And then I took on the role model, um, position and I've been, I've, I think I've had that position now longer than I haven't. So yeah, (laughs) it took Tracy Turnblad to teach me that. I was also um, probably judged and I just didn't know because I was so oblivious. You're like, yeah. I, I have repressed memories and they're really <laughs> great. Then well, let's be clear. Nobody messed with me in high school. Like that wasn't a thing. But now I think maybe it was just because I was so overbearing, not because I was so beautiful <laughs> and cool and popular. I think people are just like, oh, stay away from her. She's a lot, you know, <laughs> but I didn't realize that. So, yeah. I love that you didn't have to channel, you know, your your own experience into Tracy, you know, that, that, that is, that's why you won the Tony. Cause you were acting. I was re- like, I remember being like, turn my feet in. Cause Tracy's insecure. So she's not standing straight and confident. And then when she got comp, you know, I definitely had those moments of like, where is she not like me? But also like, she obviously is me. Like, I don't know if Tracy really knew how fat she was either. I think that's right. why. <laughs> I mean, like, let's be honest, like Tracy was super confident and like, Everybody loved Tracy except for, you know, the cool kids. But like she gets the guy. I got the guy. I never didn't go to the prom. Like I never didn't get the guy. So I think that like, yeah, I don't know. I think I probably was more I probably was more like Tracy than I thought now that I think about it. Thank you. <laughs> oh, that is that is truly beautiful and, and inspirational. And you guys, I gagged when I saw all of your celebrations for the 20th. I'm sorry. 
Whose idea was it to redo Nicest Kids in Town with the original cast? That was Shoshana. Shoshana Bean was like, who wants to redo the dance? And I kept saying, because like she was like, I'll send out a, a rehearsal video. And I said, no, let's cold turkey this motherfucker. You know, I was like, let's cold turkey it. And everybody was like, ha ha ha, she's so funny. I'm like, no, cold turkey. It'll be so much better. And by the way, everybody knew it in one take. We were yep. literally like, everything came right back in our bodies. Yeah, it was so cool, right? It was so cool. It was unbelievable to see everybody up there and just like, you know, like still doing it. And, you know, I, I know you personally. So I know that throughout COVID, you worked harder than anyone else on cardio and dancing. So I knew you were going to show up and nail that. You're like, yeah, no, you're I was like at your P prime. I, well, I mean, I get, I, yeah, I was at my prime and then COVID was over and then I was allowed to go out and eat in restaurants again and hang out <laughs> with my friends. Like that was like, I was doing so good in lockdown. Like I've never been healthier, but don't let me out on my own with my own choices. Like I didn't have any choices to make. We weren't doing any takeout. And then all of a sudden it's like, well, now you can go eat out. And I'm like, oh, that sounds really delicious. A burger and French fries with extra cheese. You know what that does? That slows your ass down a little. Um, well, you but didn't yeah, look no, it in no, the video, I was honey. ready. Thank you. Oh, no, no, no. I could do Tracy Turnblad. I could do, listen, what, what I did Kinky Boots, what, like three weeks ago. Right. I couldn't do that show today. If I had to do Kinky Boots today, I'd be like, I don't remember one moment of three weeks ago. If I had to do the <laughs> entire production of Hairspray, I could start it and I could finish it and, and I could do it in the whole two hours. Like I knew the whole show. I know the whole show. How was Kinky Boots? Speaking of which, like, like how many people was that? 30,000 people you performed in front of or something insane? <laughs> it was so awesome. It was a show that I'm not, I mean, I'm totally right for it, but couldn't do a long run of. The part wasn't like, like, listen, the part was great for me. If we were, if they're doing the TV movie of it, I'm- Call in, me, you know, yeah. Call me. But it was like, you know, it's not one of the stars. So, <clears throat> you know, I like was like doing stuff that I've never done on stage before because I was like pushing other people's props around. I was like, oh, honey, I'm not meant for this. <laughs> but, I, but I learned, I learned. Anyways, it was great. It was so much fun. I was so excited to be part of the Kinky Boots family, to be honest, and learn that last like dance, which you can't see me do because this is radio, but I just did it. You know, I just did. I like when I nailed that dance at the finale, I was like, I'm living my best life. It's such a joyful moment. I just saw Kinky Boots off Broadway and it was just like, oh, good, I just yeah. love that, that final moment where it's like, raise you up. Uh, that's, a bad, a bad, uh, and you too, raise you up. That's how I sang it too. Raise you up. Raise you up. Send a pick and if the glitter busts, you can raise. I don't know it either. Raise you. Oh my God. It was so good. And then like Stephen Aremis, who is the um, music director of that, you know, because he did the arrangements yeah. and he actually was our music director of it. He would be like giving me harmony notes. And I'm like, oh baby, I'm going to sing the melody no matter how much you try to get me to sing that alto note. And he'd be like, just try it. I'm like, no, no, I'll do it right now. But when I'm dancing and someone's singing the out the friggin' like lead with me, I'll be joining right in. I was like, me and Lola are doing a duet. It's <laughs> so funny. It's so good. Oh my god! And so you know what? At least you know. You know what I'm saying? Oh, At least yeah. you know. Oh, I know. I'm gonna sing the part that like you hear. <laughs> Um, I don't blend. I don't have a blending voice. Oh my god! And that's god. something I learned in Kinky Boots. So now I know better. Yeah. Oh my god! I just also for everyone out there, is there any more plans for your one woman show? Because it was yeah, the best yeah, thing I've yeah. ever seen. 
Oh my God. Thank you so much. Yeah, it was actually, so wonderful. I think the Wallace you don't need just to contacted blend. me to do it. Thank you. Thank you. Who did? Yes. The Wallace was like, do you want to do it at uh, this yes. December? I was like, yes, I do want to do it. Oh my Listen, God. It was so much fun learning new music because <laughs> I never learned new music. So um, it was really, my favorite was learning all the um, gypsy music because I know that I look like I'm 14 to everybody, but I'm not. So I'm really excited to start really working on Gypsy and maybe in the next few years start really becoming Mama Rose. Oh, I, I love is, that for you. Is what I want to do. Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah. It's really wonderful. I'm so glad that you're doing it again. So um, everyone you. follow Marissa on her social platform so you can find out exactly when you can go see her one woman show because um, it was wonderful. It was just Thank wonderful. You. Thank Are you. Are so you at much. Marissa Jarrett Winoker? I, sure. Is it yeah. all those words? And I think letters? it's all those words. Oh, that's horrible. I know it happened when I became <laughs> equity because there was like, I literally couldn't decide. And I had this weird thing when I joined equity at like 19 or 20, whenever it was, I was like, maybe I'll go by Jarrett. Nobody's Jarrett. <laughs> I'll be Jarrett Winoker. But then I panicked at the last minute and became all three. And, uh, no, no, it's, it's just, wonderful. I just don't know how to spell it. So it's, it's fine. okay. It's not Janet. It's Jarrett. Okay. Yeah. So just yeah. Google it, everybody. It's fine. You'll, mm-hmm. you'll figure it out. Tell us about your upcoming project with Tony winners, Rita Moreno and uh, yourself. <laughs> oh my God. And myself and John Schnook is in it. Who like was the best daddy Warbucks ever. Um, I'm doing, it's called Santa Boot Camp. I'm in Nashville shooting it right now. Word. So it'll probably, it's for lifetime. It'll be, I guess, November, December, but re- I play, um, Rita Moreno is plays like she sets up, she has this whole Santa's boot camp where she brings where you basically learn how to become a Santa or an elf. I don't really, I listen, I haven't read the whole script. No, I'm just kidding. Um, it's a beautiful movie, but I'm in every scene with Rita. So like when they said, do you want to do this movie with Rita? I was like, well, is she doing a cameo? Or like, is she kind of in it? And it's like, oh no, she's on set for 12 hours. She is 90 years old. And let me tell you, who's not wow. the first to complain is not her. Like she's wow. like, She's there for every eyeline. No, it's so cute. She like brings the joy of Christmas and I'm her like drill sergeant. Like I'm the one who brings it with her, but I'm like drill sergeant with like crazy bows and short skirts and I'm adorable. It's probably <laughs> my favorite costume I've ever worn. Oh my God. Send me pictures, please. Okay, as soon as it's, you're done. It's, you'll die. Yeah, oh my God. Crazy. I can't wait to see it. I yeah. can't wait to see this movie. I love Christmas. I love everything. Holly Jolly. I love Rita Moreno. And I love that you're the first person to complain. This all makes me very, very happy. About everything I that goes I, did I say I was? No, you didn't, but I just I inferred. I did but I also said I wasn't. I mean, that she wasn't the first. And exactly. So I was and like, it's well, just then. the two of us. So exactly. I'm like, 12 hours? Who has to work this hard? She's like, I'm 90. I'm like, you really want my eyeline? Can't you just say it to a poll? All right, I'll stay. <laughs> oh my God. I love you so much. It's so good. I'm so glad I have you in my life. You make me laugh I so, love so, you. so much. Oh my God. You're definitely a friend of the community. Let's just say that way. Um, also, you know, we have to just talk about Big Brother before we leave because um, obviously I was on Big Brother and you won Celebrity Big Brother and you beat Ross Matthews. No one understands how hard that game is as much as anyone who has played it since Big Brother and all of the people that have come up to you like as Big Brother fans, like what have you like garnered or learned from that whole kind of experience and that whole new audience that you just kind of opened yourself up to by winning that game? Right. The, uh, I mean, the audience that watches Big Brother is not the Broadway audience. Correct. God bless them. I mean, I think the Broadway audience, we watch it, but it's really like I feel like it might, the Big Brother audience is more like the people that are at home wanting to tweet about every move you make, which is like, who has time for that? Except the Big Brother audience, right? Right. I do think that I learned that 
I'm a much nicer person than people expected me to be. Mm. And I do think that like sometimes in these situations, you have to like be real smart, right? So like Celebrity Big Brother is different than Real Big Brother. You were in the house for like a thousand days, right? Yeah. And you didn't 80, win. 88 days and I came in fourth slash came fifth in fourth. because I, I got was, rebooted out. Right. I was in for 28 days and took home the cash, right? So like... <laughs> That was just like a good gig, right? That's, that's like a not, great like, gig. That didn't change my life. It was like, like it was a good, like, oh, I'm, I'm a series regular and I shot five episodes and look at all the money I won. You know, <laughs> I think that the Big Brother experience like actually made, changed me personally because it, the things that it did for me, like who cares about Big Brother? I'll just say this, but what it did for me, Marissa, was like now when they're like, oh, do you approve these photos? I'm like, yeah, I approve any photos now. Yes. There's like the worst <laughs> photos of me ever in the world are on like, <laughs> are like people's like gifts, right? Like me clipping my fake hair in and walking while I'm talking and clipping in fake hair, you know? Like I never was like fessed up about my fake hair before. And I was like, guess we're, guess the world knows I don't have real hair anymore. You know what I mean? And it's not because I didn't have cancer. It's just, I like wigs. Um, <laughs> but like, you know, it, it made me like stop caring about those things, right? And it also made me realize like, oh my gosh, like hanging out with you and your family feels like big brother to me because I'm like, wait, these are the people I love stop spending time with the people you don't love right. <laughs> just to like fill in the blanks. Whereas like spending like COVID with you and your family and playing games and having fun really made like doing big brother made me realize like, I like being with a family and, and playing games and having fun. It's not all about what am I going to do? What's my next job? Who can like, so like, I think that that made me like open up my heart to be like, Oh, I want to have fun. I laughed so hard in big brother and I think I had stopped laughing for a little while before that, if that makes any sense. Yeah, no, you that know? makes a lot of sense. And it also, it makes me, I completely relate to everything that you just said. And I just, I love you. That's what I, I have to you. say to you is that I love you and that you are so special. And um, the my favorite compliment that I get all the time now from people that watch me on Big Brother is, wow, you look so much better in person. And I'm like, <laughs> thank you. I, 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 thank you. I didn't sleep for three months on that show. I looked like Gollum and I know that, and I, thank you. And that it's, I just like, I relate to your story because yeah, yeah the, the photos that are online of me from so, that show, Oh my god! I it's look like, 80. <laughs> I remember everyone. walking past a mirror and being like, because there's mirrors everywhere, everywhere. Like, because everything's like a fake mirror. It was like a fake two-sided wall. Right. And I remember walking past and being like, is that my back? Is that 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 I never knew was there because I never saw that angle. Right. And I was like, wait, is that me? Like, I remember thinking like, what's, what's that? And I was like, holy smokes, that's your body, you know? And I was like, oh, I guess someone's got a picture of that side of my fat, you know? And then when I film now, I'm like, oh, well, that's there rather than like, well, I have to cover it with something. Oh, I'm right. going to hold a pillow when I sit on the couch because I don't want them to see my, oh my God, it's all been seen. Everybody knows I'm fat. Oh my God, it's okay. You know, yeah. so it's really like freed me. <laughs> you are beautiful in every way, inside and out. And one of my dearest friends, I'm so grateful that you came on the show. Thank you. I love friend. you. Thank you so much. I love that you're doing this. Me I too. I can't wait it. to have our own show now. Yeah, let's have our own show. Marissa, <laughs> Marissa Mondays, Frankie Fridays. <laughs> and Marissa and Frankie, Wednesday. Monday through Friday. <laughs> M through F. I like that. M with a little line through F. Marissa and Frankie. M through and F. We're on every, and we're on every day to wake you up. That is basically, it sounds like a new um, gay sex app, M through F. 
<laughs> I would say I'm on, I'll go on it, but for what? <laughs> Just to find new friends. I can't wait to tell you all about Sniffy. Never mind. Well, that's for another oh, time. Bye. Oh, no. Bye. <laughs> Ty Blue is a producer and director whose work spans television, theater, and music. His TV credits include four seasons of the Emmy award-winning casting team of RuPaul's Drag Race, Project Runway, The Real Housewives, and Catfish. He's the king of... I'm sorry, queen of parody musicals, having co-created and directed adaptations of Mean Girls, Devil Wears Prada, and Hocus Pocus, to name a few. He's also the co-creator and director of a show that I'm very fond of and happen to be in, the off-Broadway smash hit, Titanic. Welcome to the show, Ty Blue. Thank you. Wow, that is quite an introduction. You did so many things. Isn't that wild? Like, you just hear it back. You're like, oh, wow, I did do those things. Isn't yeah, that weird? Like many years of hard labor. <laughs> well, that Zoom filter, you look about 19 years old. So don't worry about it at all. You don't look but, like you did any of those things. <laughs> great. Good. Welcome to the business, Ty Blues. This is your, your first job. No, um, it's such an honor, you know, to get to talk to you and have you on the show because I feel like, you know, I've gotten to work with you, obviously, um, uh, you as my director and also as my friend for many, many years throughout this, pr this project of Titanic. And I've told you directly how proud I am of you, but I'm, I'm excited to give you the mic and the floor for a second. Just talk about like what it feels like to have had the journey that you have had and where we're sitting right now, which is an like an unabashed, like unequivocal, like hit. The show is a hit. It is your baby. You directed it and co-wrote it. What are you feeling right now about where, where you are in life? That's a an amazing big question. And yeah. it's something that I think about, honestly, Frankie, like literally every minute of every day, because this ride that we're on. It's like there's, it's, it's steady, it's constant. So you can't help but be constantly thinking about, oh my God, this is real. This is real. This is really happening. That headline really came out. Oh my God. We're really sold out for the next two weeks. You know, like it's those types of things that get into my brain and it's like, bitch, this is real. Mm -hmm. You have done it. Um, and so I, I just, I just try to stay present and enjoy the gift that it is, that it, that it, that it becomes to the audience. You know, I, I have worked on a lot of shows, as you as you mentioned, in, in like a lower level position, not been treated well, you know, like it it all looks really glamorous, but what it most of it boils down to is like just really hard, thankless work. Mm -hmm. And so for me, what I love the most about having this opportunity is that I get to create a space that's not like that, where everyone feels loved and empowered and like they have a voice and there's, you know, we, we, we push away from all the toxicity of the industry. That's my goal, at least with this, with this piece and this brand. So I'm just, I'm humbled every time I think about the fact that this all started from a text message yeah. and then it became a Google doc. And then it became rehearsing on Monday nights at Connie's apartment and no one was getting paid. So I'm just constantly reminded that if you simply put your heart into something and you push and you push and you push and you just stay focused on the, on the reason why, and the reason for us is to bring people joy, to lift them up off the ground. Yep. And I think it's very gratifying to know that like we stuck it out and we have all this good stuff going on. 
Yes. And for everyone that doesn't know, so the show Titanic right now is running off Broadway, um, but it was created almost six years ago. And that this is the first time in my life where I have gotten the opportunity to originate a role. And it is just so wild for me to see firsthand how long it takes and how like <laughs> dedicated you have to be to this little baby making yeah. it to Broadway. It is not a little easy thing. And I, it's just, so I'm so inspired by uh, the process. How, how, how do you stay sane um, as you wait for the baby to, to grow and be fully, fully realized, you know? Yeah. I think honestly, Frankie, the key to this whole thing and to life really navigating, especially creative spaces is that when hurdles are thrown your way, respond logically, do not respond emotionally, do not let your ego or your pride or any of those things get ahead of like, what's actually the most important, which is the show. Yeah. So for me, all I, I, I just always make sure that every decision that I make, every conversation that I have to have with somebody, is it for the betterment of the show? then it's a yes. And we have to, then that's what needs to happen. And so that's, that's, that's how I manage it. What's best for the show. Yeah. What's best for the show. That's amazing. And um, you know, what happens to be best for our show is to have to reach the most queer people on the planet, which I think is so um, beautiful because I know that that's always has been part of the mission ever since it was created. And I, I think that, you know, very often we just assume, you know, Broadway is a queer friendly space. So therefore gay people will come and gay people will support um, the theater just because it is fun, but it doesn't matter if it was created for them or not. Like they're still going to love it because a straight Broadway diva up there is what a gay man lives for. But this piece is different because it truly was created for a diverse queer audience. Like that's who we created it for. And the straight people are along for the ride. They're having a great time, but I feel like it's usually the other way around. It's usually created for a straight audience and the gays are just having a good time and along for the ride. Wow. Ty Blue. Can you believe that's I, your that, baby? That moment always makes me so proud. It's just like locks in the whole idea of the show. And it that's when people lock in every night. So it's, it's the yes. magic theater. Yeah, it's when people understand like this is this is maybe a funny musical and this may sure this may be like filled with jokes, but yeah. the talent and the way that we are treating the material is very much not a joke. Yeah. Like there are eight part harmonies being belted by some of Broadway's <laughs> finest of all time yeah. in a basement of a shutdown Gristini's. And it is wonderful. Yeah. 
So um, what does it mean to, to have created a piece that is so specific for I mean, queer culture? That's like just kind of what I do innately. I, I don't know. I feel like maybe yeah. probably both can't like escape our queerness and everything that we do. I, I feel that kinship with you. Um, but it does feel so nice to know that we've got a fully queer creative team, a, a queer executive producer. Most of our investors are also queer people. You know, it is for us. You know what I mean? But I always wanted yeah. to, much like the Democrats, I'm like the big tent party. I want everyone to feel welcome. Mm-hmm. So it's like, it is for us, but like, it's for y'all too. You know what I mean? And yes. one of the most thrilling things is sitting next to like an elderly straight couple who are clearly like yeah. devoted theater people. And they're, they're excited to be there. They've heard the buzz. And just the other night, I was sitting next to this older couple. And the things that they laugh at that you would think that they don't get, they get it. And so I think it's an interesting situation, like where you say, we're like, we can make queer content that that a straight audience will love just as much. That, I think, means a lot. <laughs> I think so, too. And it is just... It's a joy to get to do it every day and also to see like the different reactions and to see how different people are are coming and and attending and what they're bringing into the space, um, which I hope like, you know, will just become bigger and bigger and, and get grander and yeah, grander right. and grander. So <laughs> what are are you working on simultaneously? Like how, how does it, so now that you set uh, the show, you know, the show is up and I know that we have brush over. I just got your notes, which I have to read. So I know that you like still are around a lot. Um, and especially in this phase, I feel like you're not, you're not quite released just yet. You know, like maybe when it opens on Broadway, but you know, like, where are you now in the process? Like, are you like working like 3000 jobs? Like, are you like writing another thing? Are you directing something else? What, where, where are, where's Ty blue in this? Yeah. Whole it's an interesting transition because I just came here to New York to get the show open, right? Like I've lived here before in my mind, I'm ready to go like live in a cabin in the middle of Colorado and just like plant my own food. <laughs> but there's something going on with this show and my phone is kind of popping right. off. And so I guess I'm here in New York now. And yes, I'm multitasking. I've got like day gigs where I'm casting TV things still. Cause that was like my day life in the past in LA. But, um, there are, I don't know what I can speak on openly, but I'll just say there are three contracts at play for me to do what I've done on Titanic with other properties. So it, that's amazing. Uh, yes. Yes. I'm about to be very busy. That's so, that is yeah. so good to hear. And, you know, another just follow up to that is like, what is it, what's it like now? Cause I know the kind of people that are, are attending our show. Like there are big name people in the musical theater industry that are coming to see this show. And, Yes, like huge billboard name people, like above the title people. Like, what's it like to? I, I'm assuming that you're getting to meet these people and, and sometimes talk to these people afterwards. Like, uh, any fun stories? Like, or is anything that, like, what just general takeaways from the fact that you're, you know, getting to talk to some of the biggest names in the business who have come to I see your play? It, I mean, that's a hard question to answer. It's It's surreal. Yeah. All I can say is it's surreal. Mm-hmm. Like to have Carolee Carmelo, Broadway icon, yeah. someone who genuinely inspired me as like a young gay kid, to just have her standing next to me being like, this is genius. Congratulations. Da, 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 da. Those those surreal <laughs> moments. And also just all of the drag race girls who like I know from like helping yes. get on the show, to have them come and love the show and be in that reciprocal kind of, it's it's at times overwhelming and it just makes me smile so, so fully. 
inside. It's hard work, but having that, having that praise is incredible. Yeah. You missed Deborah Monk, by the way. I heard. Tell me she, everything. She came, she came on Sunday night and she was beaming, like just beaming. First of all, she looks gorgeous. So I was like, wow, are you like in a time capsule? She looked yeah, literally yeah. like a, like a 35 year old woman. I was like, wow. Um, and she just was so unbelievably excited by the project. And she was like, oh, I was texting Victor the whole time. But like Victor Garber is coming to the show. Listen, I'm everyone knows I'm going on my honeymoon. Ty Blue, you are, um, we're on the record right now. You tell, if Victor Garber comes when I'm not there, you tell him to get out. I don't care. <laughs> and to come back when I am on stage. Understand me? You swear, pinky swear. Pinky swear. He's not allowed yeah. to come while I'm gone. But um, you know, she was like, I was texting Victor the whole time. I was like, where? He's in Canada shooting a show. But um, he's like, I'm no, I know. Everyone's telling me I have to come. I have to come. But um, you know, it's just so fun, and um, I'm hoping that we get some of the uh, Titanic cast members uh to get to come in and see oh. and see this beast because I think you know I think everyone would love it. I think you know Kathy Bates would lose her mind. <laughs> I agree. Kate I Winslet. I think Leo I think would Kate love Winslet it. Would have a ball. Yeah. I actually heard an interesting story. If we have 30 seconds. We do. We do. Someone. So Doug Wright, who is a major like Broadway playwright who I met recently, he wrote this movie Quills, which starred Kate Winslet. And he told me that when he arrived on set, she made a beeline for him and said, oh my God, I'm so excited to work with you. This is the movie they let me do because I did that boat movie. <gasps> Like, she chose Quills as her like bonus film that she got to be in because she did Titanic. <laughs> she referred to it lovingly as the boat, the movie. boat movie. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that's how we do. That's how we treat the show. So um, everyone who's listening, I hope you do come down onto the Asylum Theater. Um, we have extended now till November 6th and uh, we are selling tickets, but they are selling very, very quickly, which is such an unbelievable blessing. But we are, we very lovingly take a stab at parodying the film Titanic. And we have the music of the iconic Celine Dion to tell that story with. With his, which is such an honor. Are you as big a Celine head as I am, or am I bigger? Frankie, I don't think uh, my <laughs> Celine headedness could ever compare to your Celine headedness. I think you wear that crown well. I do. I love that you, woman. You know so more, more than any of us. <laughs> it's true. I am a lunatic when it comes to Celine Dion. Um, but it, it's been a, a, a joy for me to get to live in this play. And it has been a joy for me to get to, to work with you, especially coming from, you know, us standing behind books. You know, like I really got to see your genius come to life when it came to staging and setting and and turning that very odd space that we're in into a space that everyone leaves saying, wow, how beautiful that show was in that space. <gasps> That's you. You did that. That has nothing to do with the space, my friend. I'm sorry. No shade to the asylum, but that is all <laughs> that is all Ty Blue. Um, I appreciate he, that. <laughs> he made that space feel like it was very, very luxe. And I'm, I'm really grateful to be in it every single day with you. So um, I, uh, I'm grateful that you're on the show and uh, you're a good friend. And uh, I promise I will read your notes now and implement them before the show tonight. <laughs> Thank you. And, I, and I'll just say, I'm proud of you as well, because I feel like the world knows Frankie Grande, this big, fun personality. And the part of you that a lot of people don't get to know is like your theater roots. The fact that you love to rehearse, very directable. And, and so I think that this, this, I, that was, that's what I'm most proud of with you is like, they get to see you in this interesting new light, which for me is thrilling. Thank you so much for that. And it's so much fun to be in a show where people are coming like 
not because of me. Like, not to say that they're not coming because of me, but they're, they're truly not. Like, people come to the theater and they're like, we had no idea Frankie Grande was in that. And we had no idea he was talented and amazing. So it, it's really special for me as well in my career to, to be a part of a show where I'm not, like, the only reason people are attending. So it's like people are coming because the show is a hit. And then they're pleasantly surprised when I'm a, a, a big part of it, which is awesome. So uh, it's, it's new great, for me, too. It's a great showcase for your range. I love you. Thank you, my friend. Love you too. (laughs) Thank you. I can't wait to give you a hug tonight. Thanks for being on the show. I'll see you later. Love you. I am so thrilled to be talking with my next guest. When you're hot, you're hot. And girl, (laughs) she's sizzling. (laughs) She's uh, an American actress, singer, businesswoman, and CEO, and a fierce trans rights advocate. She had groundbreaking starring roles in the smash hit Pose and the anthology horror series American Horror Story. She is now poised to make history as the first out trans performer to play the iconic Roxy Hart in Chicago on Broadway. Please welcome my next guest, the one, the only, the divine Miss Angelica Ross. Welcome. Thank you. Thank you very much for that amazing introduction. Oh my goodness. I have chills just talking to you. I, I'm such a fan. I'm like such a fangirl. It's so crazy. I I, st- I started my fangirling with you with um, American Horror Story. You were so fierce in that. Thank you. I tried. Who dressed you? I want all those outfits. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, yes, Paula, Paula. Paula Abdul. No, but Paula, <laughs> she dressed, she did a lot of stuff with Naomi Campbell and like, oh. um, She's made like Gwen Stefani. She styled Gwen Stefani. Like she's a major style icon in that space. So she was all about the fashion for 1984. And then when I went to the season, season 10, as the chemist, then it was like, oh my goodness. I mean, the fabrics and the flowiness of my, you know, wardrobe. I mean, so I I was very blessed to be very well dressed during American Horror Story. Yeah, that was it. And at that chemist, you were so, so fierce. And there were so many gorgeous close-ups of you. I mean, you're a a, a beautiful, amazing, talented person. And I'm just so excited that you are about to make your Broadway debut. How, how does that feel? How is that? What's, how is that going? I mean, Miss Roxy Hart on the phone right now. It it has been one of the most, um, interesting experiences of my life. It's very um, demanding, mm-hmm. very challenging, you know, and, and I, I talk a lot about just, you know, sometimes I feel like I'm, people see me overcome challenges or do things. And, you know, I talk about certain things and other things, you know, but sometimes it's, um I don't know. I don't think people understand like that. I still have challenges too. And that I, you know, so even though, you know, I feel very uh, prepared for this, it's still a challenge, you know, it's still a physical challenge. Um, it's still about being able to have a voice um, for eight shows a week, mm-hmm. um, getting over my, I don't have a fear of heights, but you know, I um, wasn't as comfortable my first time up on this high ladder singing, funny oh, honey, yeah. you know, it's Roxy Harp. So there's a lot of layers to it. And it's, you know, it's, 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 it's showing me though right now what I'm made of. And I, and I, you know, I, I always had a kind of inkling that I'm made of the good stuff, you know, but (laughs) you certainly are. (laughs) This experience for sure is making me aware that I have what it takes. 
you are a human being, you know, and that's, that's the thing. I, and, um, you know, you portray these superhuman characters on TV and film. And so we're so used to seeing you being kind of all powerful and almighty, but it's also right. real. It's all, it's like, you know, when you, when you put it up there, as you put it like eight shows a week, like you're, you're a human being and I'm sure you're going to dazzle and, uh, you're going to just excel so beautifully because we've heard your voice, right? You have, you have an incredible singing thank voice. You, thank wow. you. Wow. So you are so talented and you dropped your uh, pride anthem this year, only you, where you are singing your face off. And uh, so I'm really, I think this, the songs are going to be really, really suited to you. So I will be there in the audience uh, cheering you on. I can't, I cannot wait. Yeah. It's been, it's honestly, it's been a um, full circle moment for me to return to music. Um, mm-hmm. it's, it's been my first love I play piano from fourth grade by ear eventually taught myself how to play guitar um did, wow. you know years ago when um I used to work at the Apple store in Los Angeles <laughs> work and so I would teach classes on using the software I didn't actually know how to use it I went to video tutorials and, and learned and then I was teaching the classes at Apple and one of those was Logic Pro and so as I started teaching um Logic and learning Logic and then learning other music production software I've been working on this stuff in the behind the scenes for a while and just mm-hmm. kind of almost like life waiting for life to present me with the right timing and opportunity to, to kind of return to the space. And, you know, it seems like the universe is meeting with that because as soon as I started releasing music, I started performing everywhere. And then all of a sudden Chicago, you know, calls up and they're just like, Hey, we think you'd make a great Roxy heart. And I'm like, um, okay. And so I did, did a little test and they were like, yes, you got it. Let's go. Oh my God. I have chills. Just, just hearing that story. Wow. That's unbelievable. And this is your debut. You're making your Broadway debut. Broadway debut in a major musical. That is such a classic one on Broadway. Um, such classic story, um, such a universal story. And I, you know, I couldn't be happier to be in this musical because I think it, I think it's going to open some doors for me. We'll see. I think so too. And I hope that, you know, this will be the beginning because you do so much advocacy work in the community. I'd like to talk a little bit about, because you mentioned the Apple Store and coding. I would like to talk about Trans Tech Social Enterprise, which is yes. an un- unbelievable organization and that you are CEO of. Can you tell me a little bit about that? Well, you know, I'm so excited because I've been able to kind of transition my role. Yes, there, you know, my title is in the in transition right now, uh, just because last what month is it? so about last year I started to hand over the reins, um, and I could not be more proud of EC Pizarro, who's my current um, executive director at TransTech. He's a black trans man who actually started as a volunteer with TransTech um, wow. in the beginning. Yes, yeah, so it's such a full circle moment for me to hand it over to someone who not only is has the same level of commitment to our community that I do, but understands the intricacies and the challenges of serving our community. So actually when I handed it over, he was suggested by the trans tech community. So that was, it was his, I wasn't actually probably considering him immediately, but it was just like the, the community was like, this guy, this guy is, you know, solid. yeah, he's it. So He's still he's running that, but we're in the process of also launching another division, TransTech Global Enterprises, which will be a for-profit company that I'm currently probably the CEO of or, you know, what have you. So I'm just working some things with that. But, <laughs> yeah. 
all to say that we cre- we just really just created this space so that people understand that we understand how crappy this game of life is mm-hmm. in, in this current society where when you're born with multiple marginalized identities, mm-hmm. you're going to have to navigate the game board a little bit differently. And so we give folks the tools to do so, whether that is video tutorials, mentorship, um, access to internships and other job opportunities, freelance work opportunities. Online and offline is basically just a community that's there to uh, help each other with the support of technology. And it's so brilliant. First of all, it's it's great, unbelievable like work because exactly what you're talking about, right? Like we want to give jobs to people in marginalized communities, but also in the tech space where like it is so booming, right? Like everyone since COVID, everyone's working at home. Everyone's sitting in front of a computer. Like right. and some people are staring at a computer being like, I wish I knew how to do things on this to change well, see, my life. That's, that's why initially, I, you know, and I, I always waited for this moment to come, but like, I would tell people in the beginning and just, you know, in the beginning when you're doing things, everyone can't see the vision of what you're doing. But like, you know, when I say trans tech, what I'm really saying is transition at the intersection of technology. That's what Mm. trans tech is. And so we're talking about women who have dedicated their lives to the patriarchy and wake up one day and was like, you know what, actually (laughs) I want to lead my own life or I want to do, you know, uh, you know, whatever the case is, or you got people coming who come from out of incarceration, um, who've been incarcerated for a long time and then come out into a world that they don't even recognize because it's run by computers. So there's, I don't care what job you do, whether it's coding or whether it's typing in an order, a food order, you're going to be engaging with computers. So this was something that I had implored the nonprofit spaces to do before I launched uh, TransTech. They told me that I was out of my mind and that, um, you know, it was over the heads of the people that we were serving. This was something they weren't, that was beyond their capacity. And I, I, I just, basically for me, that was the grand gesture of undervaluing my community, like uh, just kind of the a manifestation of the ways in which overtly and subvertly that they undervalue trans people and people of Mm -hmm. color. So if you give them and give folks with marginalized identities the tools, it may take them some time, but you let them do it on their own pace and you can watch things change. That's amazing. And if people are listening right now and want to get involved, do they just go to the website? TransTechSocial.org is where it all begins. There's a free online membership application. And, you know, one thing that most people don't understand is that trans tech is for everyone. So it's not just for trans people. Um, it's LGBTQ folks and our allies. Mm. Um, but it's also people who understand and have something to give. So, you know, our whole moniker is kind of like everyone has something to teach and everyone has something to learn. And so there's a lot that you can learn by being in community with trans people, especially an environment that centers trans people. But there's also a lot that you can share and give. People want to know, well, how can I help? I hear trans people are struggling. What could I even do? Whatever skill that you have, you can share it. Whatever knowledge and wisdom and experience you have, you can share it and it's valuable. 
We talked a lot about, you know, the state of the country and the state of, you know, all these laws that are aimed against uh, trans children and, and people and, you know, the, the LGBTQ plus community. And it's a scary time out there. And so it's so beautiful that you are there, that you are someone who is representing your community so beautifully and also um, inspiring other people and allies to come together to be part of this unbelievable solution. Because I, I truly believe that we are on the way towards finding the solution, even though it is so difficult to see with so many things aimed at our community. It's wild, isn't it? It's, it's very wild. We, this is troubling, challenging, difficult times, but I'm reconciling with my sort of perception on things as they are. And I think I'm starting to understand and realize that this is this is it, meaning like this is the way of the world mm -hmm. uh, for me, for my parents, for my grandparents, and for my grandparents' grandparents. Meaning when they talk about make America great again, I'm still looking for the chapter because I don't know <laughs> I don't yeah. know when that time was. Yep. And I don't know yet if I don't see yet in sight the aspiration to when we can we when we will truly be great together collectively. Mm -hmm. Um we're working it out right now. But you know one thing that I just give advice to to anyone who's struggling in this sort of time is just to understand that as human beings, as a society, like none of us are guaranteed comfort. Mm -hmm. And I think that what is delaying our growth as a society is everyone is holding on to their comforts right now. And as long as you're not bumping against their comfort zone, they're okay. Right. And so right now, and I would tell trans people, I would tell black people, I would tell immigrants, I would tell LGBTQ folks that life is uncomfortable right. at times. And so it's okay to be uncomfortable. Sometimes the greatest growth and change comes out of discomfort, out of you feeling that and wanting to find homeostasis with comfort, you know, or whatever. So it's like, we're going to live in a challenging world. Sometimes you're going to find yourself in an environment where they say that you're illegal, you know, I mean, when I was 19, 18, whatever, and I was marking an F on my driver's license, apparently I was a fraud to the system. But I realized eventually that the system was a fraud and I wasn't. So it's just like a change of that perspective and really not having rose colored glasses about what's going on here. We all can dream. We all should be able to dream and do all that, but recognize that dreams aren't for the faint of heart that the path to a dream, the dedication, the work, all of that comes with challenge and discomfort, stepping out of your comfort zone. And you're on, on you're on your path to a, another dream now with your Broadway debut. And I am um, yes. so excited to see you in it, but I, I identify, I relate and I identify because I, I identify as an alcoholic and my biggest source of anxiety is walking through discomfort. Like it is something right. that I would rather avoid than, than right. go through like at any point. But I, I've also had to kind of make peace with the fact that like, yeah, you know, I'm a sober man in 2022, exactly. which means that I'm going to feel pretty uncomfortable a exactly. lot of the times. And that's the new normal. So like yeah. now that I accept that as the normal, then like it's, it's a little bit easier to walk through through my day and not be like man i want to drink to get through this i don't well, i don't but 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 i think what happens also is a sort of conditioning that happens so it's you know at what i've learned is 
as wonderful as the saying is that it gets better, I'm not sure that's true. Mm. I, I think it's more so about that we get stronger and we get wiser. We get more able to take responsibility, which from my Buddhist teachings, I've learned as the ability to respond. Mm. So when you're going through challenges you're and taking responsibility for yourself, your energy and your life, then you are more able to respond to the challenges and conditions in front of you. So it may not be that easy the first time. It may be painful and discomfortable the first two, 10 times, yeah. but through the process, through walking through that, through knowing that you'll be okay, even if you do feel uncomfortable, it you get stronger. It doesn't get better. You get you get stronger. Oh, oh my God. I have chills. That was beautiful. My God. And you're Buddhist. So many things are so, you're so wise and so strong. And uh, wow, it's just been such an unbelievable honor to get to talk to you. Um, I can't wait to come see you on stage. I'm going to give you the biggest hug of my life when I come. I'm coming backstage. I know I'm not allowed, but anyway, I'll see, I'll see you at the stage. I'm going to come out to the stage door right on the side after the performance. I'm going to come out and say hello to everyone. You got to, the stage door is the best part. Like that's, some of my greatest memories from a kid are stage dooring at a broad Broadway theater. So um, uh, I'm glad that you're going to do it because you're going to inspire so many people because, you know, Chicago is, you know, one of those tourist trap musicals. So you're going to get a lot of Bible Belt people in oh, there. Yeah. Oh, yes. And you're going to change it. their mind and you're going to make them feel things that they didn't know that they could feel. So but but also my 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 family, my fans, my friends, they're going to be yeah. feeling the seats like oh, they're already showing me their receipts that they got their tickets. So this is going to be a this is going to be fun. This is going to be a celebration for all of us. Oh, a hundred percent. Of course, I know that people are going to be there to support you and see you specifically, which is wonderful because I, so that's why I'm coming. Please. I don't need to go see Chicago. I've seen it a thousand times. I'm coming for you. Uh, right, right. Thank you. <laughs> thank you so much for being here. I'm so, so looking forward to seeing you in the show. Everybody get your tickets to see Angelica Ross in Chicago, currently playing Roxy Hart in the hit smash Broadway musical. Um, and I go again, Angelica, thank you so much for coming on, on to uh, Fridays with Frankie. We appreciated having you. Thank you. Have a great one, y'all. Thank you for having me. See Mwah. you on Broadway. Yes, I'll see you on Broadway. Well, that's Broadway. Oh my God. Uh, what a, an insanely exciting episode. I'm so, so grateful to all my friends who joined, to Marissa Jarwinoker and Ty Blue, and of course, to the guru, the queen, Angelica Ross. Uh, what a fun, fun, fun episode. I love talking about Broadway with some of these incredible people. And, um, you know, Broadway is alive and Broadway is booming. You know, COVID, COVID took us down for a little bit, but everything is up and running again. So uh, please come to the theaters, come see Titan. And of course, go see Angelica in Chicago. It is going to be quite the spectacle to behold. Thank you so much for listening. And um, I'll see you next time. Bye.